2: Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the 7th of July, 2022. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Weights and Biases. And, uh, you know, for what should be a quiet summer, it's been, um, especially on a a week punctuated by two national holidays. Uh, uh, Happy Canada Day and Happy Independence Day to, uh, to all listeners on both sides of the border. Um, so we had a week that had like, you know, two uh, national vacations in it, four day long weekend for, for, for many of us, and yet it was still busy as heck. Um, lots of stuff went down this week. We've got a lot of stuff to go through. Um, first off, Dave, how you doing, man?
3: I am doing
2: fantastic. How about you? Pretty good. It's been a long, uh, already it's been a long and hot summer in Toronto and I don't know, it's, 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 the uh, work level in the, uh, in the digital marketing world is really high right now. So it feels no matter how fast I race, I'm barely keeping up with myself.
3: I, I do, I do sympathize and probably a lot of our, our listeners sympathize with that exact exact sentiment now knowing that idle hands are the devil's plaything, however you know it's good you're, you're 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 being kept honest
2: well not only be kept honest um my um unidle hands my 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 more than more than godly hands are um working in a sector that is now one of the hottest um employment sectors uh, since the since the the, 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 the pandemic began uh, two and a half three years ago um two and a half years ago um digital marketing has become one of the most sought after um, uh most sought after I guess education packages for people wanting to retrain themselves but it's also become one of the most sought after um, fields uh, for employers. So you know, our our non idle hands are in a um, suddenly insanely
3: hot field. I know. I as as you know, when we talked about last week. I'm trying to hire in that field right now, <laughs> um, and so yeah, it it's, uh, it's a it's a great field with a lot of talent and a lot of demand. It, it's a sort of one of those interesting scenarios, and I I, I wonder how it's going to work out how it's going to play out over the next sort of year. Um, Because if I was junior right now, right? Like if I was one of these people that was just learning a couple of years, right? Like it's, it's, it's suddenly become very hot. If I was one of those, how would I position myself? Right. Because there's a few ways you could position yourself right now. Like, do you go the in-house? Do you go the agency? Either one's going to be fine right now. How does that work for, for later for you? Um, And that sort of thing, because it will settle. Like it'll, it'll, it's hot. A bunch of people know it. A bunch of people are taking the courses. Web design was hot once, right? Like now I couldn't like throw a rock out my window without hitting a designer, right? Like, so, so all of a sudden that the cream rises to the top, um, you know, so how do you, how do you position now? And I, I think if I was just getting into it right now, if I was listening to the show, cause I'm like, I want to like keep up on what's going on. And, you know, I've got like six months of experience and I'm like pushing forward. Um, I'd give some real thought to how are you going to position yourself? Are you going to be better in an agency going solo um, as an in house, and, and, and sort of think about your personal journey like, the, what you the environment you want to work in, as well as um, you know, what skills you bring and what skills you don't, and just be honest with yourself about those and go, I don't bring. So, can you tell I've been like hiring and reviewing resumes a lot right now?
2: <laughs> I think I think something that people are getting into digital marketing should should uh, keep in mind, and, and I think I think you touched on it earlier when you said uh, web design was once a big field uh, for of study and of employment. Now it's an essential skill you need to have if you want to um, move forward in several different digital careers. Um, and if you're not a designer yourself, you need to at least know the language of design so you can speak with designers because our work environments are, like, completely collaborative. So if I can't do something myself, and there's a huge amount of stuff I can't do, um, but I know how to talk to devs. I know how to talk to designers. I know how to talk to C-levels, etc. So all of these things are little, like, um, building blocks and plateaus in one's career.
3: Yeah, I- indeed. And, you know, we've talked about it over and over again, and maybe it's because we're like curmudgeon and then like, you know, we've been doing this for for, for longer than, than some of the people probably listening have been alive. But, um, you know, I, I think it's those skills that you're talking about, just the, like, you're going to pick skills to have and like a, a career you want to have also in 10, 15, 20 years. Um, having those skills, you touched on one, being able to talk to C-suite, that's an important one, but also being able to like, communicate with developers in a way that lets them be developers. Like basically you're going, I'm an SEO. Here's how I'll know. It. Here's how I know it's broken. Here's how I'll know it's fixed. Here's some documentation I found that mm-hmm. now, now go, go do what you do best. <laughs> like, like when I'm like chatting with, you know, JavaScript developers, I'm not going trying to learn everything about JavaScript. I'm like, here's how I know it's broken. Here's how I'll know it's fixed. <laughs> like, you know, go forth and be brilliant. Um, you know, and and leave them to do their thing, and hopefully you have some developers you can you can trust to do that. And if you don't, well.
2: It, you well, know. and again, um, and and if you're if you're very lucky, and have have gone um, that direction in your um, education path and your 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 skills path, maybe you know a little bit or quite a bit about development, uh, back end development. Um, that doesn't necessarily make you a developer just like knowing a little bit about um, search engine optimization doesn't necessarily make you an SEo um but again all of these things are are good to have in one's toolbox because that's what makes a you know full flushed uh, career um, but the cool thing is, if you're listening to this show, you're probably interested in digital marketing, and if you're probably interested in digital marketing, you're probably interested in you know other stuff like eating and paying your mortgage or your rent, um, and so you're on a great career path. Good boy. Um, and if you're into digital marketing, you've probably been working for, uh, I don't know, like some e com. Ecom site, some type your career that has a search feature on it. And that search feature, if you're at SEO, um, ever since Google learned how to fill in forms for itself, that search feature on your client site has probably caused you at least one, if not more headaches. At least it used to, until you learned to block those pages. Um, you get the, the, the robot text file so that Google isn't uh, actually looking at them any longer. Um, Google's uh, uh, recommendation for the longest time until very recently, and it still is actually, is two blockless pages. So there's no reason for them to appear in search. Um, they're not going to tell you very much. It's certainly not telling Google very much. But if they do appear in search, they might have the effect of craptastic to low effort category pages. Ones that you've thrown no effort into, but they're still being produced by, by, by. Uh, the the structure of your e ecom system and they're still being you know listed on 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 google but they're not really providing a lot of information or or uh, direction to users so there there's a john muellerism um google doesn't like them but they'll probably look at them as craptastic uh, category pages
3: yeah and something this made me think of because it's like we, we've all seen these pages i've I've had them, you, you can see them in Screaming Frog, right? And you can see this like looping of just like endless mm-hmm. uh, URLs or something with like, it hits one query and then it starts spinning out of control or looking through Search Console. Mm-hmm. Something I took this as a warning shot as well. And it goes back a couple, a couple weeks in our stories when we were talking about ways of using the canonical, like at Google's like, here's how you do this to have individual pages for individual products right? Like, and and using the canonical so that that they end up showing the the featured snippets of of the right thing. If you're using the same parameter for your queries, like if you're sort of like piggybacking and going, I have a search query, but I'm also now going to use that for my categorization. Like Q Mm. equals red, size seven, right? Like if you're then just sort of like chaining together these queries, which I've seen e-commerce sites that do that. And and it's fair enough. I never even given it any thought until this one hit. And I'm like, oh, We've got two things. We've got it appearing as a search query and then it appearing actually as a filtration system for the product, right? Which is what we're supposed to be doing and you're using the canonical, but you're supposed to block it as a query from bots. You might find yourself in sort of a confused <laughs> sort of scenario if you happen to be in those rare, I, I've rarely seen it, but I have seen it where you're piggybacking off your queries um, to actually create your sort of like categorization system. And, and you could end up in a, sort of odd spot here where you're having to pick one or the other. Personally, I'm going to pick that one. I would go with the canonical route and then just go Google, figure it out if it's stupid (laughs) or hopefully.
2: Well, Google Google will figure it out. I mean, it's seeing the same thing pattern repeating itself over and over and over and over and over, and over again with relatively the same uh, parameters uh, appended to the to the end. So it's going to figure it out. But how long does it take? How much um, budget does it invest crawling through garbage? Um, and moreover, in your own analytics, um, you're talking about you're looking at an unending screaming frog report. Um, how much resource did it take to run that damn report in the first place?
3: Right. I don't have that much RAM.
2: Um, um, and, and then Screaming Frog was grinding through stuff. Um, now, how do you stop Screaming Frog from grinding through that? So that's a different thing altogether. Right.
3: Yeah, And we've all been there where it's like, oh, everything else sucks to do now because Screaming Frog is eating up everything it can on my machine.
2: Mm-hmm. So even, even more reason to block... You know, any form of spider access to those pages, just because they don't help you, they don't do anything. They just, honestly, I don't understand why why people include pages like that or include um, discontinued products and stuff, but just because they were getting a ranking for it at one time or another, it's not valuable to the user. It's certainly not valuable to the search engine. Um, I don't see how it provides value for the site in the long run. Okay, so if you're running a uh, Google Ana- Analytics 4, GA4, the um, new and improved mumbly version of Google anal- of Universal Analytics. Um, you are now supported by Search Console Insights, which is the good news report you receive on all the good stuff that's happening with your website. <laughs> um, here's the deal. You can only be running GA4. You can't be running U- Universal Analytics and GA4 in conjunction with each other or Search Insights or Search Console Insights is getting mixed um, signals. It's only for GA4, but if you are running uh, GA4 and you're interested in um, it extracting information from GA4 to include in your uh, Search Console and uh, reports from Search Console, it will answer questions like, uh, what are your best performing pieces of content? Uh How's new stuff doing? Um, how do people find your content, or originally discover it across the web? Um, um, <laughs> interestingly enough, what people search for on Google before they visit your content—like that—that <laughs> that would be kind of useful, I guess. Um, and which article refers users to your website and content? Link report, kind of. Um, so there you go. Um, again, this is, I've made, I've made jokes about Google search insight before or search console insight before, because it's the happy news report, yep. but, um, got to get data to give you that good news. Right.
3: Yep. And of course it makes perfect sense. Right. Like that they I, 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 I was kind of surprised they didn't coordinate that a little better right at the beginning because they like, there was that big push, right. Where they were like, use GA4, <laughs> use GA4. And then. Creating this like slight disconnect to one of their other most important tools for webmasters, <laughs> and then there was this sort of like disconnect uh, so nice nice that they've they finally finally done that um for those of us that are begrudgingly staggering and clawing our way for <laughs> <laughs> adoption in it, 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 its completeness
2: well you know um. Google is giving some really, really specific warnings. Said uh, you both UA uh, and uh, Search Console now that um, GA four is where we're going to be, July twenty twenty three. Um, they're being they're 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 I don't know I don't they're 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 being as explicit as a flasher on you know a, a New York sub uh, New York subway platform. That's how explicit they're being. Um, they really want you to get on it. So find your comfort zone in GA4. You know what? Check out the stuff Alan Connect saying. He's going to be speaking at, I think, Digital Summit in uh, oh goodness, somewhere or another, in, the, in Washington, D.C. in early August. He's talking on uh, transitions to GA4. Um, if not, Alan, there's a bunch of different um, analytics experts out there. Start listening to them because, um, um, well, because they've been living for this moment. They've actually been living for this moment and now it's happening. Yeah. So, you know, um, and there uh, there's a, there is a big transition. So uh, getting used to the new metrics and finding comfort and more importantly, getting your cust- your clients uh, used to that is uh, is going to be quite important.
3: Yeah, I Here's- got a picture of a bit like, like and all the GA4 people and like all the like total <laughs> analytics people, a bit like Cindy Crumb was when we finally got mm. that 50% barrier. Like, this is it this is my time uh, like, and and they'll like, I, I don't think this is their time. Like, yes, all of us are in a scramble to get, you know, sort of stuff deployed and stuff like that. But I don't think this is a flash in the pan for folks like Alan, like the, the really talented GA4 people, because once you can see what you can see back there, like once you unlock the increased data, like it can, can you know, I hate GA4, Less than I than I used to. Once you unlock what's back there, they're going to be in good business for a long time, providing the data intelligence mm-hmm. um, and, and, and insights um, and business intelligence that I think uh, people didn't know they wanted until all of a sudden they can see the pieces and go, "Oh, wait, but that might help me over here." That just were never available to us um, in UA. So.
2: Something people with large-scale accounts might want to keep in mind, uh, especially with very large corporate accounts. If you're not positive how to set up all the all the events and all the tags and stuff in GA4 for your clients, um, book time with an expert. It's worth it, and you're going to want to do this early because I can guarantee you come, say, March of 2023, their time is going to be full. It's going to be like trying to find a tradesperson at the end of the pandemic. Um, it's just going to be impossible. Um, so book the time early, get it done, get the get your events and uh, your 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 audience tracking set up, and um, start start again, start analyzing that data early while it's running in conjunction with uh, with uh, UA with the Universal Analytics three, um, and that way I think you're going to be best prepared for the day. The end of uh, June, 2023, when UA just stopped working. Okay, <laughs> yep. here's one from the what could possibly go wrong file. <laughs> so this is only in mobile, okay? Google is testing Hi, uh, a, a, a uh, new little bug that's going to come up in mobile carousels for products highly rated by users, so, if it's, if it's content or a product that is highly rated by users, that product, that results showing, will come up um, in, from user reviews in a, uh, a, a Google carousel. Dave, what could possibly go wrong here? <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, there's, there's a whole list of things that could possibly go wrong, right? Like, you know them. That's why you're chuckling. So, uh,
4: oh my, yes.
3: Um, It'll be interesting to see how they're, they're sort of prioritizing and, and sort of deciding what is highly rated, like how many sources do they need? Is Amazon enough? Uh, and we can all remember sort of like some of the humorous stories of these like obscure products that would get 30, 40, 50,000 reviews, all positive because the reviewers were funny. where all of a sudden like it it happens periodically where some product all of a sudden people just start like flooding it with just like obscure reviews that are just hilarious i can't think of one off the top of my head but i know we've covered them a couple times um here here on the show um so i do wonder yeah what's going to happen with stuff like that then there's also the dark side um,
2: yeah brigading your your competitor with bad review spam
3: bad review spam um we're already seeing and i'm sure Probably 90% of our listening audience has dealt with this one and it's become part of my, I'm looking for, for like a product and one of the first places I start on a product review journey is Amazon. I, I try and move over for the actual purchase cycle um, but I'll, I'll start my journey there because the reviews are great and it's pretty much been the first thing I do now is I scroll down and I go, are these reviews for the actual product I'm looking for here because Amazon sellers are notorious for sort of the bait and switch. They'll use reuse a, a, a product with 3000 great reviews and you scroll down and you're like, Oh, I'm looking for a TV. And then you scroll down and go, they managed to pull like 300 solid, decent reviews for an eraser, right? Like, or, or something like that where it's just this like obscure non completely non related thing. So I'm wondering, would that be enough? If all of a sudden is this the highly rated seller or, or or product related to this tv even though the tv itself might be rubbish it just happened to have a bait and switch over on amazon um you know there there's all sorts of things that i i think could go wrong here but hopefully google knows that like they're not idiots they use amazon um like they probably <laughs> know these problems and are going no we need to see it well rated on like five locations that we're crawling or, or something like that but uh, we'll, we'll see
2: I really hope they have um, stringent and really thought out safety safety measures in place. I, I had a client a few years ago, um, they, they rented office space and, um, they had a couple clients who learned the trick of review manipulation. Every time they wanted extra services out of the business, they wrote a bad review on uh, on their uh, Google My Business, uh, Google Local listings. And every time they saw this bad review, they flipped out because oh my god, this is this is how people are deciding whether to use your business or not. So the bad review would 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 send them into um, apocalyptic apology mode, and they would make any concession to get the reviewer to remove the bad review. And so again, a couple of their clients learned this and learned to manipulate them through the bad reviews. So they want to talk to Google about it. <laughs> you can't talk to Google about anything because you're yeah. screaming into an abyss and screaming into an abyss gets very, very lonely and, and futile after a while. So um, I do truly hope Google has, uh, has strong measures um, Google's way of dealing with problems like this is often to um, ignore them because the very vast bulk of things do work properly. So one or two things not working properly, given the scale Google's at is not a big deal, but it is if you're one of those one or two things.
3: Yeah. And that's, you know what? That's very similar to the story that we were all hearing during like penguins and pants, (laughs) right? Like, just like, well okay it's the minority of, of cases and we need to wait till we can fix it for all and it's like yeah, it's the minority but those minorities are going like okay the, the minority of cases uh, are going bankrupt waiting for you to get this sorted out yeah <laughs> so um, the cost is very very high for them being wrong
2: And again we've said this many times on the show before when Google says this only affects two of, percent of, of URLs in our entire index they have, Countless billions of URLs in their index. So 2% is countless numbers of like an astronomically huge number of websites will be that 2%. Yeah. Okay. From the what, uh, I don't know if this is things going right again, but certainly things being right in. Um, just a quick note. If your link building strategy included Twitter, forget it. Because um, as of this weekend, sometime this weekend, uh, okay. So, so last Friday, um, uh, somebody noticed that that Twitter links were you know, suddenly uh, no follow They'd removed the no-follow link, a no-follow tag. Um, that uh, tag has been replaced as of yesterday, so it's back again. Your um, that that Twitter strategy you just sold the New York Times on isn't gonna work. Retract it real fast before they find out. Uh,
3: yeah, we we all saw that one coming, right? Like, yeah. we either saw that that was going to be fixed or Google was going to fix it for them in, like, how they handled <laughs> Twitter links. One of those two things was going to happen.
2: Um, somebody out there speculated that Elon Musk had something to do with it. Honestly, we have no evidence of that. <laughs> okay. Google has offered clarification on course structured data requirements. This is a fun show, huh? Um, say, say, say you're offering uh, 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 education courses online, your, your university or private private uh, tutoring service, whatever. You're offering courses and you want these courses to, to be noticed in rich results and uh, uh, marked up. Um, to... Before this clarification was, was was offered, um, Google would sometimes and sometimes wouldn't and um I guess people were were wondering why some listings would get marked up and other others others would not benefit from markup. Google needs to three, see three courses marked up on your domain, on your URL. They don't all gotta be on the same page. They could be on unique pages or it could be like one big all-in-one pages are all the courses we offer, but they all gotta have schema markup and it's gotta be a minimum of three courses or they're not gonna, I guess there's so many people who want those placements. Um, the threshold is now three. So that's uh, the clarification. You can see it over at um, at Google Docs, but um, oh, I'm sorry, at uh, 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 Google Support, but... Um, uh, yeah, that's that's their clarification.
3: It's good. Makes sense to me. It's like, um, yep. <laughs> great to find one course, right? Like this is just helping them organize who has collections of courses.
2: Right? Well, totally. And also, I mean, just think of the again, I think it's just such a volume to uh, get into
4: Are you looking for the best in WordPress, speed, security and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress. Powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com.
1: For maximum customer engagement and retention, choose CleverTap. Miami is more than beaches, palm trees, and fun in the sun. It's home every year to the Miami Book Fair, celebrating its 39th year of hosting authors and readers from around the world, November 13th through the 20th. Join us in downtown Miami at the Wolfson campus of Miami-Dade College connect with over 500 authors reading from their books in english spanish french and creole answering questions and signing hard copies the 2022 edition of the miami book fair welcomes everyone of all ages to come together meet and make new friends exchange ideas and discover one's next favorite author Let's explore, discover, and learn together. Featured authors will include award winning novelists Anthony Horowitz, Ben Mesrich, Craig Johnson, Danny Shapiro, Elena Shapiro, Jimmy Attenberg, poet Sandra Cisneros, and authors writing about the trending topics of the day Lisa Genova, Jerry Stahl, Marie Brenner, Mark Kurlansky. Samantha Cole, Stacey Schiff, Katie Tour, and many others. For more information, please visit MiamiBookFair.com. Follow the fair at Miami Book Fair and join the conversation hashtag Miami Book Fair 2022.
2: Especially after, uh, after the pandemic, when um, people's side hustles tended to be demonstrating how they did stuff. Um, that's all. That's all course material. How to make a ship in a bottle? That's a course. If it's on YouTube, and you you know, um, I watch um I, I I I watch uh history courses online, um on YouTube. Those
3: those are what count. Mm-hmm. Now, something I do wonder about is what will people do? Like, for example, I know if I ran, uh, uh, one of the, the downstairs kitchen, uh, like or downstairs uh, downtown uh kitchen store, right like they they do some some courses, but they do some longer form courses, right? like learn how to cook this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, will they now be inspired to go, okay, but we're not gonna make you take them all <laughs> now we're gonna take this one course and we're gonna break it up into eight courses, like there is the master course, or you can now take cooking with fish, right? i with would. your knife, right? I would yeah, absolutely to get to get take advantage of this, but will it I could, could it sort of backfire and actually hurt the user <laughs> uh, while well, well, not necessarily serving, you know, sort
2: of? If it's going to hurt the user, it's going to be like the streaming services hurt the user, you know, where now you have 10 streaming services that you have to pay five ninety nine each for, <laughs> and now you're paying 60 bucks for your cable again.
3: Right.
2: And all the um, Stranger Things. Yeah, only one of the damn Stranger Things in the first place. Yeah, then suddenly all these other things came along. Yeah, that happened that happened to me with uh Orange is the New Black, and then uh mm-hmm. suddenly Amazon Prime um stormed over the horizon and now I'm stuck. Yeah. Right. There yeah. you go. Um okay, moving along. Twitter has uh Twitter is having its day right now. Honestly gonna say Twitter Twitter is more popular and, and probably in better rep reputation now. Than it ever has been, except for its earliest days. Um, at the same time, other uh, popular social media platforms are, you know, losing a lot of uh, losing uh, a lot of users, um, and so Twitter is becoming one of the prime advertising places. Twitter has algorithms. Um, you know, obviously you don't see everything that gets put up on Twitter, and you don't see everything that everybody you follow put up, or you would never, ever, ever. Um, there would just be a constant scroll you'd never be able to read. So what is it that makes stuff come up on on your or any other given timeline? Um, something I don't think that's been studied a lot in the industry, but uh Chris Silversmith over at uh Search Engine Land last Friday published a piece. Um which he calls it the definitive guide. And at least judging by the length of it, um, I'd say it probably is covering dozens um, and dozens might even be too low, perhaps hundreds of factors um, that, that might affect um, any bit of information on Twitter and how marketers can use that information.
3: Okay. Now I'm like, frantically trying to find this because I haven't read it yet, which, which is fine. I don't need you for this, because you, you can sort of like talk about stuff, but I need to add it to my bookmarks.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh,
3: he's a smart guy um, and I need to give it a read.
2: There are things like interestingness ranking. Um, and that's not as much about how um, interesting, quote unquote interesting users found your information, but how Inter- how interesting that information might be to certain users. <coughs> For instance, based on location information, content metadata, uh, chronology—you know, when it's coming up and when it's coming up in relation to stuff that 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 those other users have been publishing, um, user access patterns, and signals of interest, tagging, commenting, uh, different favorites, and such. Um, recency of tweet postings. Does it have images? Are there images or videos uh, uh, included? Um, how do people interact with the tweet? Likes, retweets, uh, clicks to links inside the tweets, clicks to hashtags in the tweet, the use of hashtags in the tweet, um, blah, blah, blah. Lots, there's tons and tons of things to mention. I could probably use the entire hour of the show going through this article piece by piece by piece, but if you want to get information out there, relying on Google Bing. DuckDuckGo Go, or any of all, any of the panoply of search engines out there, isn't you know, isn't enough anymore. You got you got to you got to push people to the information, <laughs> and that's where Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, WhatsApp, and a whole bunch of other platforms come in. Um, and uh, I think uh, I think Chris is right. This is a definitive guide to how Twitter is uh, sorting information.
3: Yeah, it, it looks impressive. And for, for scope, like I, I completely agree with with your analysis of stuff. I have a, a dashboard that I've created in, in Data Studio um, that has four different tables of, of sort of like data so that I can keep up on what's going on in the machine learning space. Like just so that I, I know, I don't read everything because I don't even understand a lot of it, but I sort of scroll through stuff and just get a feel for what are the hot topics that are, that are popping up right now. Um, two out of those four panels that I have there that I review every day are Twitter, like it's just a main source of quick information. Um, and it is because of those things, like which if it's a really quick and easy way for like a researcher to go, yep, yeah, just publish this, right? And you know who you would follow and go, okay, I want everything from MIT, right? Or whatever, you can just go, I want everything from these, these profiles. So it's gonna filter down, I can filter. I'm not trusting Google or um, Twitter to show me, I'm going this list of profiles, I want everything. <laughs> that they do. I don't want you to filter for me and, and that sort of thing. So I, I totally agree um, with with your sort of like take that the trustability. I mean, I know in the machine learning space, like just from, from chatting with my peers, um, it is it is one of the more trusted profiles. Of course, they're probably not getting trapped in the same conversations <laughs> that I do because it's also a rabbit hole of like horribleness. Because you go to Twitter for work. I go to Twitter for work and both of us probably find ourselves 15, 20 minutes later going, i just ended up in a stupid argument and I didn't actually <laughs> I've closed tabs and gone, Oh wait, I didn't accomplish what I meant to go to Twitter to do like the next like screen will open up. I'm like, Oh yeah, right. I was going there for this. Um, and then have to go back to Twitter and go, don't look at the right hand nav. <laughs> don't look at the right hand nav. Just like post what you need to post or find the user you need to find and and, Reason. by the way twitter twitter
2: marketers people communicating in twitter what dave just described is all the more reason to use hashtags be very clear with what you're posting up there and why because um someone like dave or or me um twitter's a firehose there's just so much information coming through I don't get time. I, I'm one of the most political people I know, and I don't want to read politics on social media anymore because I just don't have time for that. My clients, my clients aren't paying for me to be aggravated all day. Um, tag stuff so that we can, so that people who want to follow you, who want to follow your content can easily sort it and get to it. Um, thank goodness Twitter uh doubled its space what like six years ago or something the space inside of a tweet because you need that much just to have uh, hashtags to explain what you're talking about <laughs> damn it <laughs> okay uh where to next many uh this is almost like an olden days of seo sort of thing um but I think it's I think it's starting to apply again in the as the business model starts to redefine itself for independent SEOs. Um, in the beginning, we used to get really long-term clients. You, you could you could often have a client last three, five, um, five years or longer. Um, that doesn't happen so much anymore. But in in the olden days, you used to have these very long-term clients, and so. You'd have to come up with um really cognizant and well explained plans for your yearly maintenance, your 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 end, your what you were doing with your client budget for your whole year in an invisible service like SEO. Um I'm I swear to god, I I changed your metadata. Um there's a really good article over at uh uh, Search Engine Journal. It was published uh, uh, again last week by uh, Corey Morris, who's the president of Voltage, and it's a um, it's a rough but a good annual SEO plan for um for website maintenance. All the different marks and tasks and things you ought to be hitting, and more importantly, if you're wondering how to explain to your to your client the value of having you do having you do these services, Corey gives a pretty good rundown on on why you're doing what and how you should apply that to um, bettering your client's um, uh, 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 daily and monthly performance in search engines.
3: Yeah, it was a surprisingly good piece. I clicked through to it sort of expecting fluff. Uh, I'm like, like yeah. it's not. So I can, I, I'm like, oh wait, I'm not actually insulting him because I was, I'm noting pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually if it's a fluffy piece, I just don't mention anything about it. I'm just like, yeah, that's not even worth mentioning. Uh, oh, he put thought into this. He um, really did. put real thought into it and there, I think there is some advice, especially for, for new people. Like, when I was reading through it, it was most, of, like, I, I didn't really glean myself a lot of new stuff from it, but when I put me in my first couple years of running a company, if I'd followed this game plan, if I had read this, that, it would have just saved me. I've learned through hard knocks what he's talking about here. If you could just bypass that part and go, I don't know if what he's saying is right. It is. It will help you with <laughs> client retention. And it will even just force you. And, and it's it's part of the process I think is super important. Is it's not just about telling them what you're doing it's about making sure you understand what you're doing next quarter right like this isn't just about see to your pants month over month sort of stuff it makes sure that not only it makes sure you understand what you're doing well enough to articulate it um which i think is is really important saving us from that like autopilot that everybody falls into that from time to time just like well this campaign does this and it does it every month and it's been doing it every month for three years. And then suddenly you're shocked when they want to go somewhere else. <laughs> like, well, yeah, because that person talked to them about anything you're not and you didn't convey the value. Maybe sometimes that was the best thing to do. You're ranking number one. I didn't want to break anything. <laughs> so we just kept doing that and we didn't break anything. And then we just kept strengthening the site through link structures, content, links, whatever. Right. Like sometimes almost nothing is the right thing to do. Um but if you're not conveying why that is to the client and what value you're providing in that context, then you kind of deserve what's coming. And, and I think this is. a You
0: have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling
4: Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok shop.
2: Well, and therein is the trick. You're always providing value of some sort or another. And if you're not, they ain't going to value you.
3: Right.
2: Um, okay. This, is a, this one is a little more complicated and actually um, where we, we, we truly benefit because you wrote it. It's over at uh, Search Engine Journal, uh, forecasting web traffic using Google Analytics and uh, Facebook Profit.
3: Yes. Um, so for, for users, I'll just note it's search engine land, just so that if people are trying to find it, <laughs> they get yeah. the, right, uh, the right location.
2: It was also um, published um, last week. So June 30th, a week ago today. Yep. Um, okay, Dave, how do you forecast web traffic using uh, Google Analytics and Facebook profit?
3: Yeah, unfortunately, I got my alert after our show. Otherwise, I would have brought it up last, uh, last week. Um, so what um I, I created here it's it's really really easy for users I'm just going to note that um I've created what's called a collab. um that it's just linked to right from the document so you can follow along and and you know do this all in code if you want the code is made available um, or you can just click a link go to a collab. a collab, for those who don't know is basically just like a an interface that Google provides you with for free, where you can click some buttons and run some code automatically that Dave created for you. It's not just my thing, obviously. So any developer could, could do this. Um, so the article itself is outlining why and the things you can edit. You can jump to the collab and do it. Functionally, what this collab is doing, however, um, is it's pulling in all the libraries. It's piggybacking off a time series forecasting model uh, called. Profit. this is produced by by meta or, or facebook um, so it's piggybacking off of theirs and a, and a few other um, libraries as well so the first thing it does after loading all this like we'll, we'll forget about the, the the purely just like nuts and bolts part of things but like just the, the stuff nobody really cares about and go straight to it connects into your google analytics you can then create. Um, choose what segment you want. So all my traffic, my organic traffic, custom segments, like I just want to see this subset of traffic, anything you can do in Google Analytics, um, you you can pull in that segment. It connects to that segment after that and goes, okay, let's pull all the data for X number of days. You define the number of days that it's going to pull your data from. You then pick which country do I care about the holidays for? Import the holidays from that country. Unfortunately, profit right now does not support multiple countries. You can only pick one at a time. So you might wanna go, I'm creating a segment for America. I'm creating a segment for Europe, I'm whatever it is, if, if that's important to you to understand on a country by country basis. Um, you import the holidays. And then with that, wave a magic wand, a, a few little things happen. You, uh, like the, the user needs to click about, I think three, maybe four buttons at most Um, And then what it's doing is it's looking at how do holidays interact with or impact your traffic specifically, and then taking into consideration your current growth trend. I'm oversimplifying a bit. The article explains how you can make adjustments to these things, but I've set it up to work pretty well for most users. Well, pretty much like most, I mean like 90 plus percent out of the gate. Um, And basically it'll predict forward. Here's what my traffic is going to look like based on my current growth rates and the impact of holidays or seasonality, like not just holidays. It also considers like traffic goes down in September. We don't know why it's not a holiday in this case, right? But it might just really do people going back to school or or whatever natural trend. It understands those trends. And then it will just consider, okay, what should we expect based on your current growth rate in traffic for, for this segment you've selected? Um, all in all, it might sound kind of complicated and building it was a a real pain in the butt. Um, but I was learning a bunch of stuff at the time. So that was, that was kind of fun for me, but you would have to go in with almost no knowledge and you would speak up three months seems to be the max you'd want to like forecast into the future past that. It starts to get kind of sketchy, like where it's going the high and low are this range and you're like the high and low are like double or half what I'm actually predicting here. Once you start hitting four or five months. Uh, but it allow you to sort of forecast, based on our current growth rate, based on the seasonality that we're seeing come up, what should I expect from my traffic? I find this super helpful. I built it out of necessity when I was caught off guard by some seasonal trends and went, I didn't mm. expect that. And now the owner's asking me why this is going on. And I'm scrambling to figure it out. And yes, I'd be able to answer it. But wouldn't it be nice if I didn't look like I was making excuses, but went, oh, by the way, next month, traffic's going to be down. It's going to be down by this percent. Anything above that percent is a win. So this is what we're anticipating. Much, much better. If you run through the collab, it'll take about five to ten minutes. It takes more time the first time because you're loading in some libraries. It takes more time, not of your time. You're just clicking a button, sitting and watching a little wheel spin. Uh, But after that, it takes about three minutes if you want to, like, change which segment you're looking at and go, how about, you know, we look at this country or how about we look at that country or how about we compare organic or all. Um, I do find that it's not as effective um, for for very logical reasons. If you go, I wanted to predict all my traffic, you might have had a big paid spend you might've like had some viral content go, right? Like you might've had, it's much better if you go, just my organic, just my paid, if you know that you're staying pretty steady in your spend on paid or, or whatnot. Um, those are the things that that you can get some real, real insight from. I of course was doing it for organic personally so that I could go next month, we're going to see this. And I was able to predict. Uh, last May, I was like, okay, this is like the trend coming up. And sure enough, we went, dipped down as, as was predicted um, and then stayed above the predicted decline. So that was a win and I was able to, to convert that. And there was not one question or one scrambling Dave uh, trying to explain <laughs>
2: what,
3: was, what was going on because I ran a, a quick thing, took me about five minutes after it was built, took me about five minutes and uh, and then all of a sudden I was able to go, This is this is what's going on and here's the next three months of our trajectory.
2: And again, you say it's 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 reasonably accurate um, unless there's you know some some anomaly like likely you know, have a massive massive viral content or uh, uh, something some something special happens on a certain date that you you couldn't possibly have predicted for. Um, how far into the future is it accurate?
3: Um, I go with about about three months. And one of the nice things, because you mentioned viral content, I just had to deal with that. We've talked about Dolly, right? I just had to contend. No doubt. And so you create a segment and you go all my organic without this page and without this page, right? Or without the pages that you might be, that might be part of that virality and you can go, okay, taking that out throughout all the time, what would I have predicted? Um, so that'll give you a much more accurate view of, okay, three months from now, what will my traffic be? After this viral content goes away, after our product wasn't on, Whatever, some, some you know, whatever your your we are we're not on TikTok anymore. Like we don't have a you know a TikTok sort familiar for us today or whatever. Once all of that's gone, what would it go back to? see so you can you can pull that sort of as long as you understand what pages are landing on. You can just create a, a segment um, in Google Analytics to to accommodate that, as as I had to with Dolly, um, and just pull it out and go. Okay, here's what I predict after all this is gone. This is what we should be back to, um, at the end, and so anything above that is going to be a win. Uh, so yeah, and, and as I say, about three results may vary depending on your your uh, you know sort of volume of, of content. Something I will note right now: it only works with Universal Analytics. Um, the reason for that is you need at least a year of data um, for like it needs to understand seasonality to work. So you need a year of data so that it could actually compare with something <laughs> from the year before. So the lack of people having access to GA for a year of data, um, has made that kind of useless, but the mechanisms are there. And I will be updating the colabs. So you can just bookmark the collab, and it will be updated with a link to a different collab. um, where you could could, do the same thing with GA4. Um, Once uh, once we start crossing over, I'm in the same boat. I can't do GA4 forecasting properly, so I can't know whether I'm right or wrong uh, in in building the model, so I'm not going to do it until I have a year of data.
2: Okay, we got time for one more. We have a uh, hard stop coming up in just a couple of minutes. We have more people coming up in the studio right (laughs) after us. If, um, okay, so if you're looking for uh, for information on, uh, on on Dave's tool, it's Forecasting Web Traffic Using Google Analytics and Facebook Profit, published June 30th um, at Search Engine Land, bookmark it. There's a link to the collab right in the middle of the article. Um, last last uh, 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 piece of news, um, Google has released Ad Editor 2.1. Um, cool thing. This version of Ad Editor has 13 major uh, new features. So it's it's, it's a pretty heavy update and it's automating a whole bunch of um, uh, uh, tags and parameters that uh, you otherwise would have had to to add yourself or wouldn't have had the the ability to add at all before. Um, uh, Overview recommendation cards, uh, recommendations, warning dialogues for cross-account copy and pastes, Video drive conversion campaigns with shopping final URL expansions. Um, it allows global offers, um, better better lead forms and questions on the lead forms, and more. Um, were you ever um, ever use uh, ad editor, uh, Dave?
3: Not the current version, but it's if you do ads, become familiar with it. It's incredibly valuable. Um, yeah, it's handy. I love what they're adding in here. One of the simple things that it's great for is you can do a copy and pasting and of entire campaigns and stuff a lot easier. Uh, so I would often hybrid do some things in ad editor and then go in after the fact uh, through the browser interface um, and update from there. But when you're trying to copy big chunks of information, it's a lot easier through the editor.
2: Um although in this case, uh Matt Editor is apparently giving you warnings if you do that, just uh, I guess in case you bork your content somehow.
3: Yeah.
2: Um this is looking more and more like a um tricked out search console for PPC. Um so that's that's very, very cool.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward. I haven't gotten into it yet, because it just did today and I haven't been doing any uh, PPC today, but uh, yeah, looking forward to diving in okay
2: that's it we have gone around the clock um slightly shortened show but uh we have a uh, again we have people coming up directly after us in the studio so on behalf of dave davies from weights and biases this is jim hedger from digital always media folks you've been listening to webcology on wmr.fm on the 7th of june 2022 or 7th of july 2022 and it's, You can hear June uh, phase into July real fast, which is going to phase into August even faster. So get outside and enjoy yourself before it's too late. Stay safe, rank well, enjoy your summer. Uh, COVID hasn't gone away yet. In fact, it seems to be making a comeback. So keep yourself and your community safe. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Expressed in this wmr.fm program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of wmr.fm any rebroadcast republication or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited